It's time once again for another episode of Georgia Business Radio. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Rich Casanova. I don't know why that guy always says Rich Casanova when Craig Williams is here uh, most every show. I don't think you've missed an episode. No, I don't think so, yeah, but yeah. that's quite all right. <laughs> Gives me an out, so hey, I have <laughs> off days. That's true, whatever, yeah. All right, so uh, welcome to Georgia Business Radio uh, with your host, uh, Rich Casanova and Craig Williams in the studio. Uh, in our beautiful Buckhead studio, Million Dollar View, and you're looking a million bucks, dude. Well, I feel like underdressed, dude. dude new, Good mean, thing it's just radio. Well, of course, you know, I have a meeting with the Federal Reserve oh, later yeah, on, so yeah. I have... Uh, have and, to kind of step and, it up a little. And speaking of money, I, I, I guess we could officially announce uh, next week. We sure can't. No, next about week, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's just, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, uh, came around real quick. Yeah, the new money show. Yeah. That's coming in. So, and and it's not just the new show. It's the new money show. Literally, literally. Yeah, yeah. We got a peep, peep of it uh, at the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that Post was the first pay- commercial. And yeah. uh, PayPal, everybody's getting on board. But this guy is a subject matter expert, written a best-selling book on the subject matter Most of definitely. internet currency. Most definitely. Man, I'm like... Um, In Georgia and around the world. Yeah, so, so stay uh, tuned for that. That's the official launch, the inaugural launch um, tomorrow at uh, 11 a.m. here at the Buckhead Studio for Pro Business Channel. It'll be ho- Thursdays, you know. Yeah. Since this is Evergreen, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So, uh, well, it'll be on every day on our, on our Evergreen podcast. So, exactly. Meanwhile, let's talk about today's show. So we have uh, some gentlemen, uh, speaking of subject matter experts in our Buckhead studio uh, joining us. We want to welcome um, to our, going to be joining us in our second segment, um, Elijah, you're the founder of Thrive Sports and Entertainment. Welcome to Georgia Business Radio. Thank you very much. It's glad to be here. Absolutely. We met at a, a networking event recently, right? Over at Atlanta Tech. Oh yeah, good things happen over there. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was an after hours, great mixture. So give our audience a little uh, teaser about you, what you might be chat, chatting about today. In addition to your book, I love the, your, the title of your book, Born to Ball. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> I'm a third-year law student. Um, I currently run a sports and entertainment consulting company, so I guess I'm here to talk about sports and entertainment. Um, and I did write the book. It's called Born to Ball, So You Want to Be a Professional Athlete. And I, I, I wrote it for athletes from high school, college, to um, to professional athletes because what I've seen is that a lot of them just don't have the knowledge. Um, and so when you start talking about the different downfalls of professional athletes, whether it's unscrupulous agents or financial advisors or uh, maybe the hangers-on that are around them, maybe it's <laughs> bad financial habits. A lot of it comes down to a lack of knowledge. Yes. And so that's just yes. what I wanted to provide to a lot of these guys. So awesome. is it too late for me to be a professional sports athlete? <laughs> yeah, it depends what <laughs> All the guys are talking about. Yeah, they got curling. <laughs> their eyes are rolling. <laughs> Shuffleboard. Yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. Like a, Great shuffle. I'll be all over that. Yeah, world champion. Yeah. All right. So, Elijah, look forward to telling your story and hearing um, more about uh, what you're doing on uh, your behalf. And right. so let's jump to our first guest uh, joining us in the studio, um, David Wellens. We also met at a, a Capital City uh, a Grill, right? That's correct, yes. A great conversation with uh, none other than the um, man behind the print, right, of uh, the Atlanta Business Chronicle. Uh, Ed Baker was there. Right. So, and... Um, uh, so let's kind of, kind of jump into your bio, and uh, just feel free to elaborate or jump in here. So you're the founder of Windy Hill Group, a Georgia-based company that assists software and technology firms proving their sales, marketing, operations, functions, resulting in long-term growth and success. Um, how long have you been uh, with uh, doing that? We've been doing this about four years. Okay. In that space, but you have uh, 25 years in the healthcare industry. Right. Talk to me a little bit about that. 
what I've been doing uh, is uh, actually working for companies. Right. And, uh, excuse me, uh, I've been working with companies that have been in the software business in healthcare specifically for more than 25 years. And several years ago, I decided that uh, I, what I know is probably more valuable than what I do. And mm. uh, I see the similar patterns in every software company I've ever worked for where they tend to get sales, marketing, and operations kind of backwards. And uh, so my goal is to help these companies more or less straighten that out and do it right. I think that's a great tagline. What I know is better than what I do. That's yeah. powerful. And I, I don't think there's enough people who lead with that. Uh, I'm that is, that is what that, is to come right now. That's yeah. absolutely inspiring. And um, so also impressive in your lineup here, you've been awarded uh, seven U.S. patents. Yes. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I'm still working on my first one. Yeah. <laughs> well, talk to me about those patents. Well, they all had to do with healthcare networking, so using telecommunications to, to connect uh, you know, EMRs and move data around and uh, have physician practices be able to do telemedicine, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. So various patents are all online, so you can look it up by my name. So I don't have any patents. I don't have 25 years in the healthcare industry. I'm not the founder of this uh, Georgia-based software. But we do have – we are both from Florida. That's where it begins and ends, yeah. <laughs> right. So a fellow Floridian. So, um, so Craig, let's jump into uh, some uh, – what's on your short list here? Yeah. So what are some of the reasons most uh, software and tech companies tend to misunderstand the role of marketing and thus hurt their success? Well, Craig, a little bit of a background on that. Um, software companies are unique. A lot of them get started by tech, techies, who yeah. I call techies, or I call them, lovingly, I call them geeks, because I'm one, I can say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're very brilliant people, and, but they know technology. And what they end up falling into the business because somebody says, wow, if I had a piece of software that did this or that. And they jump into it, and they write it, and then that client tells their friends, and the friends, usually doctors, buy the software. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, this guy, finds him, this guy or gal finds themselves in business, Two or three years later, they got 20 employees, 18 of them are programmers or support people, and, uh, and then the pipeline starts to run out. All their referral base is not mm-hmm. there anymore, and they realize, hey, I'm not a salesperson. I need to, I need to do something about sales Yeah, because they believe that the, um, the product is so great that the world's going to beat a path to their door, and we know that doesn't work these days. So yeah. what they end up getting wrong is both sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. They get them backwards. Yeah. They let product drive sales and marketing, and it should be the other way around. So that's what we go in to help them fix. Outstanding. Outstanding. So, so what is the issues faced by sales and marketing in generating top-line revenues? Um, like I said, the, the founder discovers they're not a sales type. So they, they go out first and say, well, we need some marketing. So they hire a marketing manager, and they think that the marketing manager's job is to produce a pretty website, build some literature and, and, uh, and handouts, and, uh, and uh, go to a trade shows, build a booth, and so forth. What they don't realize is that uh, marketing should drive the product. Marketing's role, if you look at um, other companies like in the consumer space, car, car manufacturers, cereal mm-hmm. manufacturers, heavy market research, they're, they're down to the decimal point on markets and who's mm. buying what. Um, and the marketing department tells the product development team what to build, what to make. Gotcha. And that's backwards because... Most of these companies were founded by technologists, and therefore, pro- and they still run the technology. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the product team is developing products. They're developing the next neat thing, 
and then they go tell the sales team, go sell this. Mm-hmm. And there's a disconnect between that and, and what's real in the, in the market. In old times, I know they used to, because as a sales uh, person uh, and a marketer as well, that used to be in one room, you know, in a sense. There was always that sales and marketing. Right. And whether it really needed, and with technology and the way things move so fast, you need that push and pull to be separate but work cohesively. Um, tell me how, I mean, how do you describe the alignment issues between the two? Okay. A lot of software companies I've been engaged with uh, tend to want to hire salespeople, first of all, that are already have a Rolodex of clients that are the target. Well, mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. I would do that too. The problem is those Rolodexes get stale very quickly. Within yes. a year or two, people have moved and all my, you know, all my leads are gone. I come in and work my Rolodex list for six or eight months, sell what I can sell. Then I run out of leads. Now I've got to start doing cold calling. I say I generically. I as a salesperson. And the problem there is that the, the sales person, a good salesperson is not a cold caller. Mm-hmm. They are somebody who takes warm leads and converts them. They compete against the competition to win a deal from an interested buyer. Mm-hmm. They're not there to turn rocks over and find people who might want to buy something. Or convince them to do something that they're right. not sure that they're ready to or even that they need to. Yeah. And the other problem with cold calling, not only is it, are you wasting that talent, um, you've also, you're going to miss the window because in, in the software business, most clients are going to have a, a short window of a few weeks to up to three months where they're actually going to look for something. Mm-hmm. So if I were to call them a month ahead of that window opening, they're going to tell me no. If I call them after three months later, they're going to say, we've already bought something. Exactly. They're not going to remember I called them four months ago. And therefore, they, this cold calling doesn't work. So and I'll give away one of the secrets here. Marketing has got to take on a role of owning a piece of the sales pipeline and lead generation. They should have a quota. Yeah. And so many companies don't do that, uh, especially tech companies, because, again, the technologist thinks the best product be the path to my door. I don't even need a sales guy, really. I can just yeah. let, the, let the doorbell ring, and I'm just going to take orders. I just got to finish this code. There That's all go. I got to do. Finish <laughs> this code. So, so you end up with a, with a backwards uh, connection there that, uh, that really doesn't work. And so many sales teams struggle that their pipelines are not solid. Um, and, and then you've got a board of directors who's depending on the leadership to tell them the, what's going on. And I'm going to tell you, so many pipelines I see, 80% of them you can just throw them out the window wow. as far as what's on them. They're just, it's just wishful thinking that these are actual possible can, uh, clients. For so them. you have job security, sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> He's creating his own. Yeah. Good problem to have. Um, I know recently I've had a lot of conversations about people just mixing, uh, throwing sales and marketing in the same sandbox like they're one and the same but they're very different but what i'm hearing you say is that they have to uh, a lot of companies either consider them the same which they're not or they can't operate completely so independently there's no cross communication so what i'm hearing you say is they need to work in tandem yeah very much so in fact it's it's, as good as salespeople have to be to close business and, and you can't discount that i think marketing is actually the lead in and getting the company to be, to be successful. You want to build top-line revenues. And a, a great experiment, I would invite uh, people who have these companies to try. Bring your sales team in and ask them to demo, if it's software, ask them to demo the product to the product team who wrote it. Yeah. You'll be shocked at the... Disconnect. At the disconnect, and the product team will always say, that's not what it does. Exactly. That's exactly. not how it works. What, where'd you get that idea? It's really, really interesting. And then... What happens is, as you, as the sales team, you know, the old saying is, there's no, there is no, no answer when you're being 
doing a demo. Does it do that? Oh, yeah, it does that. <laughs> and so what ends up happening is when, when it goes to be installed by the installation team, the client's going, well, uh, David told me it did Promise. that. Why yeah. isn't it doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so documentation is very important, too. Yeah, this definitely has to be that team um, effort because we've all been on both sides of that fence where you get um, promised by the sales for something uh, to close the deal and make the business happen. And that's okay is if the support's there to fulfill that or make it happen, right? Right. But um, so, uh, so talk to us about um, mitigating cost, right? Okay. And these, yeah. The other half of the, of the equation I kind of touched on is the fact that you've got to install what you sold. In fact, I used to joke when I was at a, a previous company that my, my installation team is trying to install what sales has sold. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is more true in smaller companies than very large ones because a lot of lar- very large companies have their acts together yeah. this way. They're full of red tape and bureaucracy, but they tend to avoid this more. The issue becomes uh, two things in healthcare, especially. This is not buying Microsoft Office off the shelf that you just install it and use it because Microsoft's not going to customize it for you. You buy what you get. In this case, so most of the time, the client's going to want a custom feature. So you've got to spec that. Number two, there's always going to be a need for interfaces. You've got to pull data from other systems. And the problem with that is the vendor of those other systems have no interest in helping you out mm-hmm. because it, even if they get paid for it, it's going to add to their workload and their and imagine reverse the, the story that they're coming to my company and wanting me to write an interface for them. It's like, no, I don't have time. Yeah. So you must include the client in the requirement to get the data and the interface done. So they've got to lean on their other vendor. If you don't put the client in the contract to do that, you're going to have problems and not deliver. And then secondly, when you do custom work, you have to have a statement of work and you have to have a change order process. Because people don't really know what they want till they see it. So mm-hmm. once you write it, they go, that looks nice, but change this. And you can be in a forever improving cycle and never get paid. And you, So those two things I just mentioned are where you lose money mm-hmm. when you're in the software business. So you've got to tighten that up. Uh, let's talk geography just for a second. Is that your website? I noticed you have uh, clients from Philadelphia to California, of course, Atlanta. Um, but you also have a reference about – talks about inter- – we do international business radio here. So um, – how would a international company with all the consulates and um, chambers of commerce here deal with soft care and healthcare products, you know, from uh, importing, exporting, I guess, from a... Right. And, and just to that point, about 15 years ago, I had a small company called Expatria, of all things, <laughs> where we helped uh, foreign companies come into the United States okay. with their products. Wow. Now, we closed that down because the market, I mean, the economy went bad, and, and we helped a few companies do that. But what we do now is, um, if you're... Uh, if you're a company that's located in another country, you may have even personally attended school here in the United States. You understand America. Mm-hmm. But by not being an American, quote, unquote, you miss the cultural angles. And so what we do is we can come in and be your sales marketing arm. We can put the right spin on your literature. We can make sure your website's clean. We can also run the company for you uh, as an initial startup so that you're able to um, – uh, get start on the right foot without sending a plane load of people over here and have to relocate them and pay all the expenses. We can open an office for you very quickly. We can get you in the market very quickly. And then uh, later, you assume all those duties. Yeah. Sounds like a new show to me or whatever. Yeah, yeah most <laughs> definitely. Most definitely. I think uh, I not? ran into you down at the World Trade uh, some conference some years ago. It must have been. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. yeah, yeah. I thought That's you looked familiar. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. That's pretty excellent. All right. So um, how do we so find Yeah, exactly. How would we find you? Well, the easiest way is the website. It's uh, Windy Hill Group. Windy like wind. WindyHillGroup.com. 
you just go take a look at it and uh, we'd love to talk with anybody who's interested. Absolutely. Well, pleasure to have you here. Um, Stick around. We'll have some maybe some follow-up conversation as well. Just want to remind our listeners, you're listening to uh, Georgia Business Radio with your host, Rich Casanova and Craig Williams. And Craig, who do we have um, ready to, uh, to knock it out of the park here next? Elijah. Elijah, help me with that last name again. It's Adafope. Adafope. Let's all say that together. Adafope. Elijah Adafope. Yes, sir. Uh, The founder and head of Thrive Sports and Entertainment, a consultant company based in Atlanta, Georgia. His company's mission is to help athletes and enterprises build sustainable lives and careers. He's also the author of Born to Ball, as we heard earlier. So you want to be a professional athlete. Yes. Uh, is, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was a question. Yeah. <laughs> you answered that earlier. Rich. <laughs> yeah. He also is. A, I'm looking it, for a better answer to that question. He's, he's also in his last semester at Atlanta's John Marshall Law, one of our which, sponsors. Yeah, a sponsor of, for uh, Atlanta legal, legal experts. experts. Yeah, yeah. Rich told me. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, Elijah, tell us a little bit about this uh, Born to Ball book. You, you you led into that, but um, and and you have a little tie to the music industry as well, uh, outside of sports. And, and, and your law practice. Yes, sir. So I was at an entertainment law firm uh, for about roughly two years. Um, so while I was there, I did a lot of different deals. You know, um, I worked on record deals. I worked on publishing deals. Uh, I worked on management deals. So, you know, I, I it helped me get an insider's look, you know, on the machinations behind the music industry. You know, um, it's, it's very easy to look at television, you know, uh, look at these different interviews that you see, look at the award shows and have a very uh, wrong view on what the music it's business is about. It's a perception, and it's glossy, and it's shiny. And yeah. it's smoke and mirrors also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was able to get a background, um, get, get a background on the music business. Um, and so what I tell people a lot, I was also able to work with some professional athletes while I was there. But what I tell people is that the sports industry and the entertainment industry is all the same thing. It's all entertainment. It's all entertainment. You know, when you take a look at these professional leagues, I mean, the NBA, they just signed a nine-year, $24 billion broadcasting deal um, with Disney and ESPN and Turner. So, I mean, so it, it's, it's entertainment at the end of the day. So the reason why I wrote this book is because I'm sitting there dealing with these different artists, dealing with these different entertainers, and I'm just seeing that a lot of them have no business sense they have no understanding of the business that they're in and i'm really seeing how the problems that they get into translate to the problems that athletes get into um and so really how this book was born is i left the entertainment law firm um you know it it was a good experience i would do it again if i had the chance but i just felt like there was a ceiling um and so and a greater need and a greater need and so i i actually timed my leaving with my application to a local sports agency here in Atlanta. But unfortunately, the job at the sports agency <laughs> didn't come through. So I kind of felt flat on my face. Um, so I said, you know, what the heck, I'm going into my last year of law school. Um, let me go ahead and start my own thing. Um, and so I'm sitting there in one of my classes. It was, a, it was a small business formation class. And so we had the opportunity to write a paper on whatever we wanted to write, 30-page paper. And so as I'm writing this paper, I'm thinking, why don't I just turn this into a book? Because I'm just learning so much information. Um, I also have my experience, my background. And I'm like, why don't I just turn this into a book, you know? And that's what I did, you know? So in this book, it, it's basically an outline. I like to call it a guide for athletes who want to go professional. It, it, I break down the statistics on how many athletes actually go professional. When you look at the statistics for basketball in college, I mean, for basketball and, and football, I mean, if you're an NCAA athlete, you have less than a 2% chance of getting drafted by the NBA or the NFL straight out of 
college. Look um, out, ninety-eight <laughs> percent. <laughs> so, and really, when you look at the overall statistics in America, you actually have a greater chance of becoming a millionaire than being a professional <laughs> athlete. Gotcha. You know, which I think a lot of people need to know. But anyway, so this book is basically just a guide for athletes. You know, from the time you're in college to the time you actually get into the league, just basically giving them a framework that they need to to view their careers and their lives through. Gotcha. So where is Thrive Sports and Entertainment that now as far as how, I mean, what phase? I mean, you have clients. Yes. And, and I would say startup. Startup. <laughs> and I, I, a lot of times I think people don't refer to businesses that aren't tech as startup, but I do because I think everybody really is an entrepreneur. I know that might be controversial, but I think everybody's an entrepreneur, but not everybody acts Exercising. like an entrepreneur. Exercises you know? the practice. So okay. I view myself as a startup um, we're brand new. Everybody that we're working with is is brand new. You know, we're not working with any established artists or athletes. Um, I have one guy who I'm trying to get a spot on the new Atlanta MLS team. They're holding trials this this year, so I'm trying to get him a spot. But you know, what I'm learning also is that there's a big psychology component to managing athletes. Well, ironically, uh, we <laughs> might be able to help you with that because we have uh, uh, soccer. Is that this our soccer show that's going to be starting? Yeah, uh, they're um, they're currently um, underway with sponsorships for Atlanta Soccer Talk Radio wow. here yeah. in the studio. Yeah, in this studio, okay. and with some so former um, uh, goal Hall of Famers, Hall of Famers. Wow, from Manchester and so forth and so on. But um, but today it's about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to hear yeah. hear more. So, so how are you? Um, uh, kind of getting making connections if you will on uh, social media or, or what platforms how are you looking to be introduced to some of these athletes so they're um and how's the book going i guess that's about five questions but <laughs> okay so first how am i how am i uh, going about getting clients um just keeping my ear to the streets um and, and staying tuned to where uh, where well let's talk about artists um where artists populate so whether that's conferences whether that's shows or whether that's different um events maybe even even at clubs you know so a lot of it is word of mouth you know mm -hmm. a lot of it is word of mouth you have one person they tell another person they tell another person they tell another person um and a lot of it will come i believe as i just continue you know like i said um this is a brand new thing it's a startup so i believe a lot of it will come as i do good work um i'm working with one one artist right now his name is jamal ali you know um and he i really like the guy so i'm helping him get started, you know, in his music business, set a foundation for himself. You know, like I said, a lot of these guys, they just don't know. They don't know what they need to do. Um, outside of their craft. Outside of their craft. Yeah. Because they, they just focus on this one thing for so long. Um, and this is the same thing, like I said, it's the same thing with professional athletes. Yeah. They focus on just being an athlete so long. A lot of times they don't even have to do schoolwork, you know. They don't have to worry about passing Everybody tests. gives them a pass. Everybody yeah. gives them a pass. So yeah, by yeah. the time they get to the league, that's all they know. Yeah. And so they're... You know, uh, it's about balance. I'd have to say it's about balance for all of us. Yeah. I mean, you know, but uh, now, do you anticipate um, as you move forward in this venture of uh, Thrive Sports and Entertainment, uh, building kind of a, a team of these folks? Because we've had some actually professional uh, Falcon players in here, Hawks, and so forth, athletes. that um, have. I've heard some of their stories where they've made all this money and then they leave the league and everybody comes after them. They throw in money um, at ventures, at business ventures, without really any resources. Mm. So are you looking at kind of putting those um, team members together in terms of finance and CPA investment? and Or is your what's your emphasis, I guess? Definitely. I, I would view myself as a, as a quarterback of okay. the athlete's career. Um, so the services that I would provide, like I said, I'm a third-year law student, so by October I'll be – 
full-fledged lawyer practice. And so the service I would provide is legal services, transactional services, um, business contracts. Um, a lot of athletes, they need to register their trademarks, yeah. um, athletic contracts. Um, I'm also getting into this tech space. That's where I met Rich at the yeah. Atlanta Tech Village. So I'm getting into this tech space, this um, venture capital world. I'm hoping to learn about that. Um, I would also be able to help athletes about franchising. I'm getting into some of that right now. Um, but as far as fi- as far as financial financial advising, I'm not touching that, you know. But I definitely would um, have people who I would refer these athletes to. Well, um, we could definitely help them with well, all of that. I'm saying once you get your venture, your VC uh, money in line, we need to talk to you about maybe uh, co-sponsoring for we do franchise business radio and then. Uh, but we've talked about a entertainment. There's so yeah. much entertainment here in Atlanta. Maybe let's bring David back here in just a moment here. But beforehand, um, so you look a little bit more fit in shape than I am. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> having said that, speaking of sports, what's what's some of your go-to activities in terms of? Uh, uh, sports that you're passionate about as far as a fan or participant? As far as a fan, it's definitely the NBA. Um, okay. That'd be number one. I'm not really a big college guy, but it's the NBA. Secondly would be NFL. Um, personally, in my own downtime, I go to the gym. I run. I play, played uh, soccer in high school, but I went to college, and I kind of, you know, got out of shape. <laughs> Do the various activities. Year, yeah. yeah, definitely. I think you're supposed to. Yeah, but I, I, was, a big, I was a big soccer guy in high school, um, I'm not. I'm not a basketball player at all. I don't profess to be able to play basketball. That's not my thing. <laughs> you know. No. But downtime, <laughs> you got to be blessed with some of those skills, or whatever. Yeah. 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 With some height, also. Yeah. But my downtime is the gym. It's it's running. You know. Um. And and that's it. I like to read a lot. You know. Also movies. I'm a big movie guy. Yeah. I, I run when people are chasing me. That's about <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> you you mentioned earlier that you would consider yourself the quarterback to your athlete. Comments. I like that. What would you consider yourself to your your entertainers or your the as far as the music the industry, analogy there what's the analogy producer there? probably right I, w- I would say i would say the same thing because for me my my core my core competence um is is going to be legal services now that yeah. that kind of fleshes out through different contracts um Entertainment contracts, sports contracts, um, endorsement contracts, um, and I'm also I'm also uh, wanting to to have an understanding of these different worlds, so so that when an athlete wants to say invest in a company, I know who they need to talk to. I know what things they need to be looking yeah, at. Yeah. I think a big thing is that a lot of these athletes they think that just throwing money is something that's going to make it work, mm-hmm. and that's not the case. And and and, and my big focus is one understand who is this entertainer or who is this athlete as a person like what are your interests i just heard i just heard um i believe it was i it was actually jay-z and he was talking about how a lot of his different business ventures are just extensions of himself mm-hmm. and i think that's the number one thing a lot of these guys don't know who they are so we need to understand who are you as a person who are your interests what are your interests and once you start figuring that out now we can start exploring different avenues, and it, it'll start making sense, and you'll be better at it gotcha. instead of just going to, into an area that you have no idea about because you saw somebody else doing it. So you're kind of the next Jerry Maguire then? or um? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to be better to show the money. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, um, uh, uh, so Elijah, let our folks know the best way to get in touch with you, and we're going to have a follow-up question for each of our guests before we wrap things up. best way to contact me is at EA at Thrive Sports ENT. That's EA at Thrive T-H-R-I-V-E-S-P-O-R-T-S-E-N-T.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Elijah Adafope, Instagram, Elijah Adafope, Facebook, Elijah Adafope. He's got all, all that locked up, all that real estate yep. and social media. So, um, so gentlemen, as we kind of wind things down, we'd like to kind of finish off with two questions. Just uh, jump in uh, whenever you're ready. Is um, What's a good day look like for you in your business? 
And then uh, what's a challenge? What's some obstacles that you kind of face? So, well, David, if you want well, to Well, for me, a, a good day is to, to be able to go in and apply what I know, help out a company because I've seen so many train wrecks and disasters out there. <laughs> and really what's a bad day is it's surprising how many um, founders of companies still don't take any advice and don't apply it, even after they've paid me to come in and tell them where their holes are and what to do. It's kind of frustrating to... to um, what do you attribute that to? Because, first of all, they're very bright people. They right. think they know it all. Right, so right. ego. And it's, yeah. e- it's okay. ego. Call it out. So. <laughs> all right. And Elijah, what's a good day look like for you? What's a challenge? A good day for me is, is being able to work with a client who's ready to go, who has traction building their career. Today is a good day, actually, because I got to come up here, and once I leave, I'm actually helping one of my clients um, work on a copyright assignment agreement. Um, and so that that's a good day, just helping them, you know, uh, progress in their career is a bad day is, is for me as a startup is somebody just getting into it is, is having no one to help, no one to be of value to and no one know who you are and really just kind of there thinking, man, how do I really get my name out there? Where do I go? What do Mm -hmm. I do? You know, that's, that would be definitely a bad day. So you're saying a good day was being up here in the Pro Business Channel studios, right? That's that's what I heard. (laughs) And a bad day would be not being up here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right, gentlemen, uh, we are out of time. We'll see you next time. Uh, Rich Casanova and Craig Williams on the Georgia Business Radio Show. Thank you again for joining Rich Casanova and our guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Georgia Business Radio. That was awesome.